Hey, everybody, welcome to Conspiracy the Show. I'm Adam Todd Brown. Who are you? I'm Laura Crawford. We are your fucking hosts this week. Someone in the comments said I say fucking too much. You've gotten that. You've gotten that before. People have said it. Yeah. Before. And the response is always, fuck you, you fucking fuck. Yeah. Fuck off, fuck face. I'm not, I'm not like, we're not like saying it angry. No. Like, fuck these fuckers, you know? It's, it's my version of, uh, even though I say, uh, a lot too. And, um, and sometimes, uh, and, um, comes out as fucking, <laughs> I, I feel like. If anything, we're just kind of warning people because we're probably going to use the word fuck a lot on this episode Mm -hmm. because we're talking about cops who like the fuck, specifically cops in England. So not like cops with guns, just bullshit England cops. Yeah, they don't need a penis uh, metaphor. They're using their actual dicks. They use their actual dick as a weapon. Their actual dick as a weapon, not a dick metaphor. That's what's very important here. You know what I'm saying? We're talking about the UK spy cop scandal, which is a thing that has been in the news in England, like as far back as like 97, 98. Yeah. Spy cops. They're spying on you, spy cops. That's the song I came up with for it. Spy cops. That was pretty good. I saw you in your notes. You said you're the, you titled your notes the second worst Spy Kids movie. You're not <laughs> implying Spy Kids is a bad movie, are you? Spy Kids, the first one, is not that bad. I went to see... Not that bad? It's not that bad. It's got a 93% <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes. That movie fucking rules. That movie rips. I'm a big Robbie Rodriguez fan. I haven't seen it since I went to go see it in middle school, so I'm, I'm biased. You know, I'm a hater. I'm a young hater at heart, but this one you is are good. a hater. These fucking police. See, I that's really bad. But um, I always knew that when we talked about this, I was like, oh, yeah, the UK, they love spying and wiretap. I'd heard some cases before that involved the police and wiretaps and the Daily Mail. And it was always like what member of parliament was heard on camera saying that he shagged his secretary, you know, whatever. Oh, I knew that they had a big th- issue with surveillance, but I didn't know this was going on. I had no idea. I think people underestimate how similar the United States and England are when it comes to shit like this. Like everything we're going to talk about today, the United States did also at the exact same time, just in slightly different ways. And we don't even know how different. Like I'm sure some of those COINTELPRO dudes did some activist fucking in their day. Like, I don't doubt it. Like we, uh, I think it was, it was Fahrenheit 9-11. Michael Moore had a movie where he was talking about uh, all of the post 9-11 people who were uh, infiltrating groups, like peace groups. It would be like moms for against war in Iraq. And they would just make like, you know, doves knit them. And it'd be like, and then this FBI agent was in the group. We found out later he wasn't really Dave Sanders. So I remember him saying that. And I remember thinking, that's very bizarre that you would infiltrate peace groups, but I didn't know that it was this global. Yeah. The, the thing about the United States and England, they're part of this group called the five eyes. 
And the Five Eyes is an alliance between Australia, Canada, New Zealand, the United Kingdom, and the United States. And so there's some blue eyes. <laughs> right. The white there's some nations. blue eyes. And there's some white eyes. You can see the whites of their eyes, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, and here's the thing that seems like a joke, but when you find out what this particular group is doing and compare it to what the United States was doing at the time, I don't think the fact that they're all white nations is unimportant. I think it's very fucking important. They're also, uh, although the U.S. didn't have it as extreme, they're also like post-colonial nations, I guess you could say. Like they're nations that had a large post-colonial population growing within them by the 60s that they were like, oh, could be a problem. You know, like with the U.K., obviously they had all their former countries in Caribbean and Africa, you know, that people were starting to go to the motherland to reap the resources, you know, and uh, that were denied them or like in the U S and Canada in the sixties, again, yeah, a lot more non-white immigrants coming in. So I guess they were like, Oh, Jesus Christ, this is a problem. Yeah. And never mind. this group that we're talking about today, they targeted the same people that the FBI targeted in the U S in the sixties and seventies, which is activists. Like mm-hmm. it's the exact same thing. And that's what the five eyes is. They share not only intelligence, but like intelligence techniques. So like if mm-hmm. you see something happening in Australia and you're like, holy shit, they're taking rights away from people in Australia. It's coming here soon. Like they mm-hmm. test this shit out before it comes to the United States. But we do all of this same shit. And it's relevant to 2020 because we're kind of living in almost the exact same world we were in in 1968. It's just that instead of the protests being about the Vietnam War, they're about police violence. That's really the only difference. And acid is harder to find. <laughs> Not for me, Daddy. <laughs> Actually, I know a company that sells acid on Instagram. Okay, we'll talk about that <laughs> after the pod. But uh, to say there are market similarities. And of course, you know, like when you think about the UK and Canada and the US in the 60s, they were still they were all kind of experiencing the same issues, which is they had a large population of university students who are very woke and very, you know, turning into uh, being out of control and not really under the thumb of police and security the way they once were. And, you know, obviously, Richard Nixon turned a lot of people off to the state. And I think in present day, we're seeing the same thing where people hate the president. They're very much more socially turned on Gen Z, whatever, new hippies. Um, but yeah, see, the issue is, and we're not saying that since 1968 that people have been infiltrating groups. They used to infiltrate groups, but they infiltrated them with informants. That's the difference. So like they right. would put in, they would have informants. They would have a man on the inside and they would pay him to get them information. But starting around the late 60s, these countries like the U.S. and Britain and Canada and, you know, whatever, they were like, oh, you know, I don't know if this is good enough to get these informants because we don't even know if it's, you know, steady information. We want our own guy on the inside. Right. They stopped using, I mean, I'm sure they still use informants, but. Oh, they did. Yeah. If you can infiltrate, that's way easier because the information you're going to get is going to be more accurate and you can mm-hmm. trust it because it's a cop in there doing cop shit. Mm-hmm. And then coming back to the cops and being like, bruv, you won't fucking believe what this bird was up to. <laughs> These people, they don't want to eat animals. Can you believe it? <laughs> it Why is they love the fucking pigs? Oh, my God. They don't need bacon save and the nothing. pigs? Fuck off. They ain't even heard of a sausage roll. Um, 
but I mean, yeah. the groups that they targeted, I think I have this in my notes, but um, so we don't, we'll never know exactly how many groups were targeted, right? We'll never know. But the estimate that they give is that it was over a thousand different political groups. Right. And guess how many they found out confirmed are right wing. It's, oh, it's like four. Three. It's three. Well, I, I feel like we're getting a little ahead of things. The- <laughs> and just like. So, so if you're wondering, did they spy on right wing groups? They sure did. Three of them. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like I said, it's very similar to what's happening in the country right now. The difference is in 1968, the protests were about the Vietnam War. And mm-hmm. in the UK, as these protests were kicking off, the home office and the Metropolitan Police Service teamed up to figure out a way to cut these protests off at the knees and what they came up with was well we'll just infiltrate them we'll send cops in pretending to be them and cause all kinds of chaos and we'll see what happens and for our american listeners who aren't as cultured as laura and i i will i I feel like we should explain home office is like the law and order wing of the british government they're like our department of justice or homeland security they deal with law and order they deal with immigration Shit like that. Yeah. The Metropolitan Police Service, think of them as like London's NYPD, if the NYPD had no jurisdiction over Manhattan. Because the Metropolitan Police Service, they police the 32 boroughs of London, but there's one, they call it the square mile of London. That part is policed, they call it the city of London. That is policed by the much smaller and appropriately named city of london police but everywhere else in london it's the metropolitan police service you've probably heard them referred to as the met which is what we're going to call them because it's short and that's fucking awesome uh or scotland yard if you've ever heard scotland yard that's who it is they they're referred to as scotland yard because that was their original headquarters was called scotland yard but it's the metro metropolitan police service yeah, it sounds like uh, from reading this, it just to me, Scotland Yard always sounds like who you call if someone's been kidnapped. <laughs> Cold Scotland Yard on the double. Get them out of here. You know what I mean? Uh, it sounds like strictly to respond in a hurry. Like, we need Scotland Yard. Call them. <laughs> See, I've always I've always pictured them as like a bunch of Sherlock Holmes motherfuckers. Yes, but they have bloodhounds. They have pipes. Yeah. But they're like, oh, Shirley's sure we found a body called Scotland Yard. And they show up there and like, where's this body? Um, but you don't think of them as being like the biggest problems in Britain, by the way, when it comes to like real problems, teen stabbings. Stabbings are out of control. Well, yeah, they, so they're not, guns aren't as much of a problem in other parts of the world. Yeah, they have like a lot of teen gangs, uh, teen boy gangs around there. There's a lot of stabbing. So this is like not, we're talking about, these are like the regular po. These are the street guys. These are the like, you, you know, you know, New York City cops, you know, you beat cops, you Jeffries, you Johns, you Joes, you out there, you know, being like, hey, Johnny, you're staying out of trouble, whatever. Hey, Mrs. Gillespie, how's that knee? These are supposed to be these guys. They're supposed to be nice guys. We're out patrolling the streets, whatever, keeping them safe. But they're, uh, it's a little more It's a little more to it. It's not just that. Like, the NYPD isn't just beat cops. They have detectives oh, and, like, yeah. really high-level units that do really intense intelligence service-type shit. And sometimes those police departments collaborate with the fucking government. I think the LAPD is mm-hmm. a great example. The NYPD, for sure. Like, when you have a police department that big as a government, why wouldn't you fucking 
collaborate with them because all like especially if you're talking protests those are going to be the biggest in the biggest cities so of course you want the fucking police on your side so in 1968 the metropolitan police service the met teamed up with the home office and they formed this new unit called the special operations squad which later became the special demonstration squad which sounds way more british it does. The special operations squad. The soft. I'm on the soft, bros. <laughs> That's what I think. Or the SDS. Um, but it was a very Stasi-like uh, group, if you understand, like, um, you know, the comparison to East Germany. So this is like, imagine, imagine if this is Los Angeles, that it's like the London cops or like the West Hollywood cops. But we're talking like the LAPD, like the scary police that kill everybody and like the sheriff's department. That's like more of this kind of office. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to talk about a lot of Brit stuff. We're going to talk about MPs and whatever. So they had to work on, they had to gather information about protests and justice move. So justice is like really broad. We'll talk about that. It's going to be like animal rights, socialism, uh, environmental stuff, or even like people who have been victims of violence by the cops or people who have felt like their investigations might not have been thoroughly investigated by the police because of, I don't know, corruption, racism, or anything. So it's a huge swath of issues that they're investigating. And they did this for like nearly 50 years. So you got to imagine how much, I don't even know how you calculate how much money they probably spent on this. The yearly budget must have been not Pentagon levels, but at least several million. Why, right? why wouldn't it be Pentagon levels? Like, <laughs> No, I mean, I the, only reason, I even, <laughs> the only reason it wouldn't is because England is smaller than us. But I bet in terms <laughs> of budget, like percentage of budget, I bet it's up there with all the other craziest shit we've done. Because like you said, they operated for nearly 50 years and they were the progress police. That's what I think is a good name for them, because all they did was any group that was working on progress of any sort environmental groups, animal rights groups, like we mentioned, if a loved one was killed by the police and you were thinking of having someone investigate the police, they would target those people. Anyone who might have caused any change to the status quo is Mm -hmm. who they investigated, which I think is another good reason to bring up the five eyes and those five very, very white nations that all work together and collaborate on shit like this. And it's just weird how in a lot of cases, what they collaborate on is keeping people of color oppressed. It's like, these are like the white supremacy police basically. And they're not just targeting small protest groups. I think we've all heard of Greenpeace or most people have like at least a passing familiarity with what they do. They infiltrated Greenpeace in the eighties. So they're like international groups in some cases that were infiltrated and these are activities that could be as benign as you were protesting fracking near your house if you said man i don't really like them i don't want them to frack have a fracking project near my house which i'm sure anyone can understand you would be investigated so it's a huge range of activities anything that's basically not explicitly pro-government or pro-business makes you a suspect yeah it's anything that balance that threatens the current balance of power in the world Mm -hmm. that's who this group investigated and we'll talk about this more in detail but we only know about this because of a whistleblower that's like had one dude not come out and talked about this 
we would have no idea that this was happening in England. So who's going to be that whistleblower who comes out and tells us about this happening in the United States? That's what I want to know. I hope it happens at some point. But their misdeeds are so extensive that we can't get into all of them. I'll link to a bunch of articles. There's a lot of information out there about this. And this is all confirmed. Mm -hmm. Like, it's on Conspiracy the Show because this was a conspiracy. Yeah. The police and the government conspired to do this. But it's not a theory. It's not like, we know it happened. It's like MKUltra. We know it happened. Because there's so much to cover, we're going to focus on, I, I have in the notes too, but actually three of their biggest uh, crimes, mm. basically, or abuses of power. They're crimes against humanity. <laughs> Entering into sexual, sometimes childbearing relationships with activists they were spying on. Two spying on and attempting to discredit families of victims of police or racial violence, and three, stealing the identities of dead children, which they did so much. If I can add just a little fourth one, which is um, covering up information that could have led to people being freed or not prosecuted for crimes because it would have revealed their position as spies. Right. They would even sometimes go to court in their undercover cop personas. Like, they would go to court not as cops. They'd be like, hey, I'm just regular Joe Fish and Chips here, and I'm here to testify. And they would send innocent people to prison. I also think they encouraged people to far more radical action than they would have, which caused a lot of people to get into more trouble than they would have probably before. But that's, like, more speculative. Well, it's speculative, but it's a thing that, from history, we know happens like the the FBI does that in the United States. There were all those cases where they would infiltrate a group and be like, want to build a bomb? <laughs> and then they would bring all this bomb making equipment and they would help these people assemble a bomb. And then they'd go, all right, you're under arrest for building that bomb. And it's like, Jesus. thanks for keeping us safe. That oh was really God. a good expenditure of federal tax dollars. Yeah, this is the worst episode of Mr. Wizard ever. <laughs> You want to build a bomb, kids? You're under arrest. New York, at least once, I think in Buffalo. So excessive radicalization. Yeah. So let's talk about Stephen Lawrence. Stephen Lawrence was a black teen who was very brutally and publicly murdered by a group of white teens, I believe in 1993. And the murder and the subsequent investigation into that murder revealed You might want to sit down for this systemic racism within the Metropolitan Police Service and just kind of in the UK in general. There were five teens who were tried and acquitted despite a friend of Lawrence who was there when the murder happened. Dwayne Brooks, he identified all five of them in court and all five of these kids still were acquitted. And there were all these allegations that the Met helped not only kind of derail the investigation because they barely investigated it at first. And so people were like, Hey, are you going to fucking look into that kid who got stabbed at a bus stop? And then when they did look into it, it seemed like they were kind of shielding the teens who did it from being prosecuted. Like they just tried to sort of hide it all. And it culminates in these five teens getting acquitted and people were so outraged. The daily mail in 1997 published photos of all five of these kids under a headline that just said murderers 
The male accuses these men of killing. If we are wrong, let them sue us. None of them ever sued. Which I feel like is always, like, we don't take that into account enough in the United States. But, like, why hasn't Courtney Love sued Tom Grant, the private investigator who's been saying for, like, 20 years now that she was involved in the murder of Kurt Cobain? Like, you would think you'd not want someone out there spreading that kind of information. I think she did try to press legal action in the case of the film Kurt, Court and Courtney, if I'm not wrong. But I don't know that definitively. But no, she's not pursued every form of action because if she did, then I would imagine she would have to prove that she did it in some form of another. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I don't know if she can legally definitively prove that. Um but yeah, like, yeah, it just stands to reason. It's like, well, why don't you come out? But I don't know. I mean, I'm sure she's done something or she might have even offered him like a private settlement. I don't know. Nothing would surprise me. She's a very violent Buddhist. <laughs> yeah. Or there's a comedian right now who constantly he used to work with Donald Trump on the Miss Teen USA pageant. And I think the apprentice also. Yeah. And he's also a comedian. And He's got like a five minute, very detailed bit about how Donald Trump crushes up and snorts Adderall. Ooh. And he's like, if I'm lying, sue me. Hmm. Trump's never sued him. And Trump does seem like he maybe snorts Adderall. Oh, oh, of course. Yeah, he definitely does. Oh, yeah, for real. I, that's always what I think. When oh, you were correct, though, in the year that Stephen Lawrence was killed in the race attack. It was 1993. I just looked it up. Yeah, it was. It was 93, and then yeah. this acquittal happens in 1997, and after that acquittal, they open an inquiry into this investigation. Yeah. And that's kind of what kicks off the spy cop scandal. So the judge concluded that, I just love this description, that the investigation had been marred by a combination of professional incompetence, institutional racism, and a failure of leadership. That's like a judge who works for the system. Um, when I look at this case, looks like you guys got a smudge of institutional racism here and a lot of incompetence. What a well, scathing description. What I like is how England managed to take this inquiry into a heinous racial crime and f still find a way to use it to strip the people of England of a little bit more of their rights but in a way that the people of England were like, yeah, fucking do it, please. Because what happens as a result of this inquiry is they change the law to where if you've been tried for murder and acquitted, you can be tried again, which that's a huge, huge deal. They eliminated double jeopardy Holy in crap. the UK <laughs> over this case. And two of the people who attacked Stephen Lawrence, uh, David Norris and Neil Accord, they were tried again and charged and convicted. Wow. So on the one hand, it's like, cool. Are you going to put double jeopardy back in place or is that just gone forever? This was a, this is an extraordinary case, extraordinary legal change. One of the things that comes out of this inquiry is not only did the police bungle this investigation horribly, but after Stephen Lawrence was killed, they sent a Metropolitan Police Service officer from this SDS unit, the special demonstration unit, to infiltrate not only groups that were fighting for justice for Stephen Lawrence, but also his fucking family. They spied on his family with the intent 
of digging up dirt that they could use to smear them and discredit them. And this is a like this isn't even a case of the police killing a black person. This was just a bunch of fucking racists that killed a kid at a bus stop. And the police are like, why is that family bitching? Go find out everything you can about them so we can discredit them in public. It's nuts. So his parents are uh, Doreen and Neville Lawrence, and they were just regular, not very political people. And uh, they, (laughs) well, it's like, in terms of what info they, they're like well you know their relationship's falling apart and they're just keeping it together for the cameras while they investigate their son's murder and it's like why the fuck does the government need to know that yeah well they also spied on Dwayne brooks the other teen who was there when stephen lawrence was murdered and who witnessed it and who testified to the identities of these five attackers in court they fucking spied on him too there was a cop named David Hagen who was responsible for spying on him, uh, Anthony Lewis. He spied on the parents and the family. And the only reason we know about this is because the third cop, a guy named Peter Francis, eventually came forward as a whistleblower. And he admitted that all three of them were tasked with collecting any and all dirt they could on the family, on Dwayne Brooks, and any groups that supported him. And then they pass that information on to their superiors. Even Peter Francis was like, I don't know what they did with that intelligence. Who knows? Like, we just collected it and gave it to them. And I don't think he was saying that in a, I'm just doing my job kind of way. I think he was saying it in a, holy shit, I wonder what they did with that. And the SDS also carried out similar investigations into the families and associates of Ricky Real who was another victim of racist violence in London, and Jean-Charles de Menezes, a Brazilian man who was killed by Metropolitan Police after they mistook him for a suspect in a crime he had nothing to do with. So that is an obvious abuse of power. Like, that is not what you expect from the government and police force that is ostensibly supposed to be protecting you. It's horrifying. And the fact is, all of these revelations, this case came out in like 2014. So this murder happened in 1993. And his parents have had to live with this. You know, obviously, they still live with it. They're not very old. They're not like old people. And they didn't get any sort of uh, justice. Not really. I mean, total completion about what was going on until 2014. And so that's i don't know it's just mind-boggling that they had to go through this and find this out later so they have to then in their minds go over everyone they met around the time that they were trying to get justice for their son and think oh i wonder if it was that guy i wonder if it was that guy i wonder if this friend talked to him so it creates a sense of paranoia that you're never done with the psychological trauma finding that out is something you can never really compensate someone for and what bothered me is the government's investigation of it in 2014 that Theresa may ordered still concludes like oh he was investigating the campaign their campaign and it's like it's the family they keep acting like they have it's like it's not like a campaign to run someone fucking office these are these people it's just it's so they're so detached they still refuse to fully engage in the issue you know what i mean they're still distancing themselves oh you're investigating the campaign no you're investigating individuals so they still have not really come around to, you know, accepting their role in this or the damage that it's done or how inappropriate it is. Uh, they're like, no, they were just looking at the organization. It seems to me like it's part of a psychological experiment in a sense, because think about it like this. It's like 
it's like the police are sort of saying, well, when a racial murder happens, are there patterns that we can predict that a family will go through? And can we take certain actions that will keep them from campaigning at a certain point? Or what can we do police-wise to get them to abandon campaigns once they get started? You know what I mean? Because it seems like they're just like running experiments with these families because they know it's going to keep happening. So they're trying to think how to best silence. Yeah. What you mentioned about them having to play back all the people they met during this time, I think that, like, if you are a person doing anything even sort of radical or progressive, don't underestimate the fact that you should be very suspicious when new people show up in your life. Mm-hmm. Like, if someone just shows up out of the blue really enthusiastically wanting to help, and you're like, who, where, where did you come from? You have every reason to be suspicious because that is what the fucking government and law enforcement does. They send spies to infiltrate shit. And I don't think that there's any, like, what this is also a good example of is there's no group small enough that they won't show up and see what you're up to. It's true. As a general life advice, I would say, if, especially if you're a young person and something like this happens when you're in a group, be very wary. But also when you go to college or whatever, if you meet people who are like, oh my God, come to this group. It's so amazing. And they're way too enthusiastic. They like you way too much. You might be in a fucking cult because I knew people we went to college with who wound up in yoga cults and stuff like that. Or I was just watching something about Axiom today. If someone is way too kind to you too fast, but getting you in their group, there's nothing good that's going to come from it. I guarantee you pretty much. It's a scam. You're being scammed. People are out to scam you. You're not paranoid. One of the side effects of that eventual inquiry into the handling of the Stephen Lawrence case was that some of the undercover aliases of these cops started coming out. And as they did, there were women who were like, wait, I dated that guy. Some of them were like, I dated that guy for years. And some of them were like, that's the father of my children. And what ends up happening is all these women in the UK find out they had been in long-term committed relationships with what turned out to be undercover cops pretending to be someone else. It's the kind of shit you see on the television show, the Americans all the time, but those are spies. Like it's one thing if a government is doing that to another government, like that's just, that's just world espionage, baby. Like, If you're in Russia and hooking up with a random woman at the bar and you work for a big tech firm, you're an idiot. Right. You are a fucking idiot and you're about to, at best, get your intellectual property stolen. But you don't do it to your own citizens? Like, that is such a line to cross. And that's what they did in England. Like, they would not only infiltrate these groups, but they would form actual sexual romantic relationships sometimes have kids with women and then just fucking disappear you notice it's never guys it's never guys they never are like bob you gotta be gay thirsty <laughs> more <laughs> australian sorry they never like mark you gotta blow a guy he's bigger than a liberation front you notice they never make anyone be gay that i know of i do love that that there's always like oh no i had a bang a 22 year old woman oh no Well, here's the thing. Eventually, every law enforcement agency in the world came around to the fact that, oh, we should hire everyone. Like, we shouldn't just, like, at one point, the FBI only hired white people. And, like, good luck fucking infiltrating the Black Panthers if you only have white agents. That's why they had to use informants. But eventually, they were like, oh, we can hire black people, too. 
and then they can go do some infiltrating. Yeah. And there is absolutely no way women didn't enter into that equation at some point. Yeah. I guarantee you there are women in women cops infiltrating progressive groups all the they time. They haven't been exposed yet in this case. It seems like it's a bunch of scuzzy dudes. But um yeah, they did do it. And I, I would like to say too about the people who they targeted or who were being investigated, these were not people who this was their only thing they did. Usually these people were volunteers, part-time volunteers at some of these groups. They had regular jobs. They weren't living in an underground bunker. It wasn't weather underground. They weren't in ISIS. They didn't like all shave their heads or whatever. I mean, they were pretty normal people. There's one instance where a guy takes a girlfriend and then has the police raid her house just because he knew it would make him look more important to the people he was trying to infiltrate. Right. Like, imagine being that woman and finding that out. And it's like, I loved this dude. It's like the dentist system. Yeah. He had the fucking police raid my house just so he like, it's fucking sociopathic is what it is. Like, I get that all of these dudes are like, oh, I was just doing my job. Like, motherfucker, the Nazis were just doing their job. That doesn't mean they are not complicit in what happened. And it doesn't mean they're off the hook morally. Also, you applied for that job. It wasn't war. You weren't drafted into the police service. Right. They, you chose to become a cop and you chose to become an undercover cop and you chose to take that assignment. And I don't think they told you you have to fuck Brandy. I think they kind of chose who they wanted, right? For the most part, I think it was just kind of like everyone's open season. And they could have just been friends with people and found out the same. I don't know what information you get inside a woman's vagina. What state secrets are hidden up in someone's cervix? You tell me. I mean- there might be some up there. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. So these people, these women, usually, who are uh, targeted in these groups, it starts in the late 60s. A lot of these relationships that we're going to talk about that were revealed are in the 80s. And it's when it was mostly, I think, focusing on uh, environmental groups and animal rights activists. You know, the big scaries. <laughs> right? Yeah, the, the people that are really a threat to society. Yeah, one example is a guy named Mark Bob Robinson, which... Right off the bat, what kind of nickname is Bob? That's fucking stupid. Yeah. He was an SDS agent who, in 1983, befriended a woman named Charlotte, and shortly thereafter, became her first long-term boyfriend ever. Except Bob Robinson was just his cop name. And I don't know if we've ever figured out this guy's real name. We'll, we'll get to that part later. But this is a quote from Charlotte. He told me that he worked as a gardener in North London. Wherever I turned, he was there trying to make himself useful, trying to get my attention. And then a friend of Charlotte's comes in with another quote. One day Bob wasn't there, and then he was everywhere. I'm telling you people listening to this at home, when Bob Robinson shows up at your door, you fucking send him packing. Be very suspicious all the time. So as their relationship progressed, Bob started pushing Charlotte toward more radical activities and groups, all with the aim of eventually infiltrating the intensely secretive and hardcore animal rights group called the Animal Liberation Front. <laughs> Alf. Willie! And that's kind of a group that, you know, if you've seen, uh, what is it, 28 Days Later, remember at the beginning of that? That's yeah. kind of who they're not parodying. I guess that's who that that character those characters are based on. Those people who are like, we need to let him out of the lab, you know, or like you know, yeah, people who let out lab animals, people who throw buckets of red paint on people who wear fur, 
that's who they're kind of talking about when they say animal liberation front those people actually are kind of hardcore um i don't think they straight up like slit anyone's throat or impregnated someone and then left them but they're hardcore well no i think the the thing they were worried about then is the same thing we're worried about now which is well what if they hurt buildings exactly what if they blow up buildings they didn't want to have them. Do you remember there was this, it was on the California ballot, not change things like cage laws for birds and stuff like chickens. We, we like, yeah, that was on the ballot. But they don't want that. They don't want you to vote on what kind of caged animals can be in. God forbid. Well, yeah, it's, it's again, any threat to the current balance of power mm-hmm. where corporations work with the government to keep everyone oppressed. Yeah. That's what this unit was fighting for. They were fighting for the man. Right. Like, the man. And you got to consider also that uh, the UK in the 90s had that major, major PR scandal and, you know, everything else with uh, mad cow disease, which almost brought Oprah down, if you can imagine. I mean, her whole court case and everything with, like, the beef, beef farmers of America, where the fuck it was, Texas beef men or whatever, and they sued her because she was like, oh, my God, I'm scared. That's how strong the meat industry, the meat industry almost took out Oprah. So this guy also, Bob Robinson, also befriended a guy named Jeff Shepard as part of his attempt to infiltrate the Animal Liberation Front. This is a quote from Jeff Shepard. I believed in him and I liked him. I thought he was a friend of mine. Have you ever seen Jesse Ventura's conspiracy show? Yes. Yes. Do you remember the episode where he talks about his first meeting with the CIA after he was elected governor of Minnesota? I do not. But he was like, I met with the CIA. They talked to me about being governor of Minnesota. He was like, here's the thing about him. They look like your neighbors. Like you have an image in your head of what the CIA looks like. And it's wrong. What these undercover motherfuckers look like are your neighbors or your friend or the fucking cashier at the corner store. You will not notice the CIA or any group, the fucking SDS, you're not going to notice them on site. You're not going to look at them and go, oh, you're a Fed. They're good at what they do. Correct. In 1985, Bob Robinson, who was actually married with kids, had a child with Charlotte. This is a quote from her. Bob was there by my side through the 14 hours of labor. He seemed to be basalted with the baby. He was a great dad, and I had no reason to believe that our son was not his first, was not his first child. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize then that he was already married with two other children. This is one of four secret relationships this motherfucker entered into while he was an SDS agent. Do you think it was secret to his wife and his family too, his kids? Do you think like his friends knew what he was doing? Like his friends who were friends with him and in his cop persona. I can't imagine he would have told too many people like because he he kept this thing with Charlotte going by making excuses about having to go do gardening jobs or visit his sick father. Yeah. So that's way easier when your family already knows you're a cop yeah. and you can just be like, I'm on a fucking deep cover assignment for the next five days because she said he spent five days of the week with her yeah that's what gets me because he so he has his wife and kids do you think she's like hey do you have another family where she's he's like baby puke on him or he's, she's like hey why do you smell like a baby you know well i mean she might have asked questions but in that situation all he's got to say is it's a work yeah. thing but like, so what's wild about this is that's this whole experience of all this info coming out is 
also traumatizing his family, his cop family. I'm going to call him his cop family. <laughs> like they're a family of cops, like a baby cop, a brother cop, sister cop. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, so it's traumatizing to them too. To be like, oh my God, my dad was this person doing these horrible things all these years and I had no idea. What a nightmare. But here's the thing. Does his family even know? Like we I don't, don't I don't think we know Bob Robinson's real identity. We know some of these cops' real names by now, but not all of them. That's yeah. that's still a really big sticking point with this. So how would his family even know? Like unless they I guess some of these women would have had pictures or something mm-hmm. to show the media and maybe the family would notice it that way but otherwise like he's not gonna fucking like no cop is going home and telling his family about all the dirt he's doing on the job i guess not like oh honey you won't believe all the cocaine i stole out of this guy's trunk today (laughs) what a great day at work like he's a fucking cop he's an asshole he probably didn't even talk to his goddamn wife (laughs) he probably had another family on the side that he wasn't spying on like he's a fucking cop. Yeah. Who knows? knows the depravity? <laughs> I don't have the depravo meter, which is like where where like a sore ridden penis goes up and down. Two of those relationships he was in were long lasting and serious, and he ended them both by sending a letter postmarked from Spain saying he was never coming back. <laughs> like they these dudes not only infiltrated these women who were activists, you know, in an attempt to infiltrate the groups they were associated with. But they followed the same playbook where they would get in and get really deep in. And once they had like all the information they thought they were going to get, they would start like kind of provoking the woman to try and get her to end the relationship. And if that didn't work, they would pretend they were having like a breakdown and then they would just go to another country, send a letter and they would say, oh, you can come if you want. But like one guy sent his letter from South Africa. So the woman's not going to be like, oh, yeah, I'll pick up and move to South Africa with this lunatic who just deserted me. So it was like a cover so they could like end it in a way that seemed realistic. Right. And meanwhile, this one, these women are just fucking devastated before they even know that the person they were dating is a cop. Oh, of course. I mean, yeah, they're shattered. They've been living with these men. They're their partner. They are deeply entrenched in their political life and their social life and their friend life and their romantic life. Yeah. It's, it's it's as horrible as you can imagine it can be the only thing that comes close to this which i can imagine in terms of feeling um as bad about this is i think i mentioned this on the show before but harry belafonte found out the fbi had an agent pretending to be a psychiatrist that treated him and his wife for years and recorded him it turned out his psychiatrist was an fbi agent so yeah that level of intrusion is definitely psychologically damaging yeah for these poor women yikes And also in the cases of the relationships that produce children, there are a couple of children whose father just disappeared into the night. Like that's real psychological damage that they are doing to people all in the name of fucking stamping out animal rights activists. It's so fucking egregious. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. This woman, Charlotte, I mean, she eventually tried to track him down just to get some basic kind of child support. Cause you're also thinking he's, le- they're leaving these women with no support and no means to get support, but she couldn't find him because his identity was not his identity because he didn't exist. So of course he can't find him yeah. in Spain. What's also funny about this to me is like they're in Spain, which is like if you were in the U.S. and someone's like, and you lived in Florida, so I was like, oh my God, I got to go to Saskatchewan. I can never see you again. <laughs> 
it's like Spain and the UK aren't that far away, actually. But anyway, I digress. Yeah, Spain is just a vacation spot if you live in the UK. I'm surprised she didn't go looking for him. Exactly. <laughs> Let's go to Ibiza, bruv. Oh, yeah. Magaluf. <laughs> Not only is Bob Lambert known to have done all of these things, he's also suspected of planting an incendiary device that damaged a London department store, a crime that another activist was jailed for. He also co-wrote this really famous London Greenpeace leaflet that was really disparaging toward McDonald's. And because England's libel laws are the way they are, like it's really easy to sue someone for libel in England, McDonald's was like, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to sue them. And let's see if they just... They're probably just going to apologize and withdraw it because they can't fight us. And two of these fucking activists were like, yeah, we can. We'll, we'll make this a fucking court case. And it turned into like, they call it the McLibel case. It was one of the biggest cases in England. And Bob Robinson wrote the leaflet that started that or co-wrote it. And then they sent another agent in who became the boyfriend of one of the women who was the activists fighting McDonald's. So one of the two activists who actually stood up to McDonald's, they were able to send someone in and infiltrate that fucking group. That's insane. It's a really interesting case, the McLibel lawsuit. I was just watching, it's weird, like four or five days ago, a lot a video on it. On I like the site called Business Blades. It's this YouTuber makes it. He's from the UK. But it's an interesting case. One of the few cases where regular people actually did sort of win a case against McDonald's, you yeah. know, it, but it took a very long time. It took multiple cases. It was not over quickly. This was a legal slog. It was a horrible case for everyone involved. It took up like their whole lives. Yeah. Cause McDonald's was not going to give up and all, but when we talk about this, I don't know if it's clear what we're saying. There's a group that stood outside of a McDonald's restaurant in London and handed out leaflets, exposing them for, you know, being damaged into the environment and being generally bad for the planet. That's all they did. They didn't burn down McDonald's. They didn't kidnap a McDonald's employee. They didn't throw a bucket of blood at the at the uh, you know window or whatever. They didn't fucking actually. They didn't even step foot inside the McDonald's. They were outside the building. But Bob Lambert had to know how McDonald's would react. Oh no, he knew. I'm just saying. If you're terms like kind of like this is how hard McDonald's reacted. This is what they were doing. Standing well, outside. Well, like that's like, not. I don't give a shit about what McDonald's did. <laughs> like, we'll talk about their crimes at another time. But you know Bob Lambert knew McDonald's would react oh, like that. Oh, of course he did. And he's like, bruv, this is how we're going to squash this group. I'm going to write this leaflet. We're going to stand in front of McDonald's and hand it out. McDonald's will sue. And these motherfuckers will be done. And they were not done. So they had to send another cop to infiltrate the two activists that decide to stand up to McDonald's. Yeah. Insanity. Goddamn. Uh, the woman involved in that McLibel lawsuit, her name was Helen Steele, mm -hmm. and she was infiltrated by a guy named John Dines. That's his real name. We know his real yeah. name. And he struck up a long-term relationship with her, ended it in much the same way, except he's the one who went to South Africa and sent his letter. Mm -hmm. This is a quote from her. He said he wanted to spend the rest of his life with me. In a short space of time, I fell absolutely madly in love with him in a way, I had never fallen in love with anyone before or since. And here's the thing. Like, it seems... I'm chuckling, but I'm closing my eyes because it's so painful. Well, what you also have to take into account 
is it's not like they're just hoping these agents are good with women. They're going to be trained on that shit. Like, like pickup artists are a thing and some of them do a lot of fucking. And there is undoubtedly any number of techniques that federal law enforcement agencies know and can employ when it comes to trying to do shit like this. Like you're not, you're going to send the right man for the job when it comes to befriending Helen Steele. And he's going to know what the fuck to say to Helen Steele to get to her heart. And that's obviously what happened. And that's what makes it so much crazier. Like the level to which they get involved with these women. I don't know how any government agency could have been like, this is good. Yeah, this, this is what we should be doing. This seems right. No way are people going to find out about this someday. I just don't see how it makes sense from a budgetary perspective. <laughs> I think it's a horrible use of resources. That's what I come down to on this. I just don't know what fucking high-grade information you're getting from Helen Steele that you need to do this to her. Like, yeah. you know, you know, what are you really getting out of these people? Anyway, but yeah, so if you think that you could not be made to fall in love with a government agent, I think you're wrong. I think we all could. I mean, there's obviously t- how to w- win friends and influence people is not a best-selling book for no fucking reason, right? Right. Right. These techniques work because it's studied because people are fairly simple and, you know, love bombing and all that shit. And Tom Cruise, people still join Scientology, Adam. People still join. Yeah. So he uses so his his alias. Also, I love these aliases. John Barker. Whew. Right. And that's where, against all odds, the story gets even fucking crazier because Helen Steele decides to go look for John Barker who is uh, John Dines. His undercover alias was John Barker. And at one point, she actually finds his birth certificate that, sure enough, matches up with his story, which was that uh, he was born, I forget, in what part of England, and it all matches. But then she checks death records and realizes John Barker is a kid who died of leukemia at the age of eight. Gasp! (laughs) And that produces another scandal from this situation it turns out that was where most sds identities at least early on were coming from it like right up until they started digitizing death records Mm -hmm. like up to that point every sds fake identity was an identity they stole from a dead child a dead child that still had a family out there like one of the things helen Steele brings up that i didn't put in the notes is She said, I'm so glad I never found John Barker's parents because imagine if they got that phone call where some woman is calling you, you have every reason to believe your son died at the age of eight. And now out of the blue, this woman's like, your son's a piece of shit who got me pregnant and moved to fucking South Africa. So she's like, she has said that she's very glad she never found the parents because that would have fucking traumatized them. And it did traumatize all these parents because they're like, well, my kid died and now you're using them to fucking get activists pregnant and bring down peace groups. Well, it's also disgusting hypocrisy, right? We're fighting crime by stealing the social security numbers and names of children. They're stealing them. They don't have the permission from these parents. It's theft. They're committing identity theft. They're not constructing new identities. They are thieving the legacy, the names, the home plate, the hometowns, they are stealing this data from these people. They're stealing an identity. They're committing mass fraud. Not to mention, 
I mean, it's one of the women in these cases described it as being raped by the state. And that's not wrong. Yeah. Like if you were to tell me they were killing the kids so they could steal the identities, I'd be like, yeah, I believe that too. <laughs> what? They figured out a way to give John Barker leukemia. Sure. MK ultra was a thing by then. Why not? I mean, people who put it on the badge and gun, I think you have a dignity as low as the Marianas Trench, so whatever. Right. It's believed they stole the identities of more than 80 dead children and used them to issue passports and IDs for SDS agents. One SDS officer who participated in this, using the alias identity of a dead child named John Black, said the operation was almost Stasi-like, which Laura mentioned earlier. This is a quote from him. He said, well, first off, he said SDS officers would even go so far as to visit the childhood home and hometown of these dead kids so they could bolster their cover. This is a quote. It's those little details that really matter. The weird smell coming out of the drain that's been broken for years. The location of the corner post office. The number of the bus you get to go from one place to another. That is the level of detail and investigation that's going into just the dead kid part of this fucking scandal. So imagine the effort and resources they're putting into infiltrating these groups and convincing these women that they're in an actual loving relationship. It's mind blowing. Like the scope of this is bonkers. And it's so much the time. And we're just talking about London. We're just talking about London. One country. No, we're talking about one city in England. There is no doubt that this happened. One of the one of the things that the groups that are fighting for more information about this to come out, one of the things they want is for the investigation to extend to Scotland because it's assumed this happened a bunch in Scotland also where there was also tons of yeah. protests. It's like a crime being committed in Connecticut. You want to go to Rhode Island to investigate a little further. <laughs> it's not that bad. Anyway, so the, the the problem, the real problem with this, too, is also, I mean, we, we keep bringing this up, which is the full scale of this has not been revealed. We know a bit. We know a few of the groups. We know a few of the names. And only in the last 10 years or so, and for the most part, you know what I mean? And these people are still relatively young, the people who are victims. They're still relatively young people, and they're probably going to spend their whole lives fighting to get this information out, right? Yeah, and it's it's one of those things that, like we said at the beginning, it's been in the news. Like, I, this is, I only heard about it because someone on the Unpops Discord posted it in a conspiracy thread and was like, hey, you should talk about this. And uh, that's how I found out about this. It took someone actually like hand delivering this information to me, but it's been in the news in the UK for since the late 90s. So it's one of those things that it seems, at least from my looking into it, that sort of falls in and out of the news and people like care about it for a while. And then they're like, hey, Oh, whatever, whatever happened with that? Do we, yeah. did we ever get all those cops names? And it's like, no, we didn't. We're talking about in 2011, this guy who was this member of Greenpeace and he had infiltrated the group and he got confronted by his old members of his Greenpeace group when he was speaking at a conference and they're like, Hey, Bob, what the fuck? So in some of these cases, it's taken very brave people in small cases to go up and confront individuals like how about how brave you have to be. Yeah. Bob Robinson went on like lecture tours in London after this. And you're right. Eventually, one of the groups was like, bruv, you're the guy that fucking was part of my group. 
Yeah. And like, are you a cop? And yeah, he's a cop. He's a cop. Can you imagine finding out that some guy you were in a group with is actually somebody else? They must have felt like they were losing their goddamn minds. And it took him two years, even after that outing in 2011, it took him two years to actually admit that he had been in four fake relationships. And he said that he made serious mistakes that he should regret and always will do. What the fuck does that mean? Yeah. Thanks. That apology really helps. Oh my God. What a mistake. What a horrible mistake I made over years. And what a hero to admit his mistakes. You know what? We're not even putting this episode out. Everything's fixed. It's fine. (laughs) But it's not fine. And it's really interesting how this came roaring back into the public consciousness in London. In 2018, fucking UK cosmetics company Lush posted an article on their website called Spy Cops Scandal. Why police spying on campaigning citizens should be exposed, which is like if fucking Goop took down all their vagina egg listings and just put up a fucking article about police brutality. Like, that's kind of what happened. It's weirder than that. It's like, okay, it's like a Bed Bath and Beyond was suddenly like why fluoride in your drinking water is eating your brain or something like that or like like blush is for people who might not know offhand is they're the company that make bath bombs so those colorful bombs that not bombs colorful collections of essentials that you put in a bath and they sort of fizz and stuff they're a huge cosmetics company they make all kinds of shit that the article mentioned bath bombs but yeah, I had a friend who used to work for them, and she told me a lot about the company. And yeah, so it's kind of how, like, yeah, like how Ben and Jerry's is very wildly uh, supportive of the Black Lives Matter movement and correcting injustice. The Lush is the Ben and Jerry's of the UK on this issue. And they took it a step further after that article went up. They changed all of their storefronts to look like crime scenes and put up police tape that said, police have crossed the line. And then they had these posters where it was a dude who half of his face looked like a regular person, and then the other half, he was clearly a cop, and it said, paid to lie on the posters. And they did this all around fucking London with their storefronts. They dedicated their fucking storefronts to this, and people weren't happy. People were like, that's anti-state. That's anti-police. And they were like, fuck you. We don't care. This is what we do in addition to making cosmetics. This was their quote from PR rep Eva Cook. As a global campaigning company, we believe in using our voices, shops, and online presence to bring awareness and support to a variety of issues, some of which vary regionally. Fuck yeah. (laughs) I'm into that. Yeah. And they've previously backed uh, the Black Lives Matter campaign in in the U.S. and a hunger strike in support of Guantanamo Bay prisoners. So the fact that they would back this isn't that crazy, but the degree to which they did it, like right in the heart of where it's happening, I think is uh, commendable. Yeah, I think that's something that we're going to have to kind of accept moving more into the 21st century is that um, I think we can actually have an assumption that people who run large companies or are very successful business people all have a sort of common mindset or a certain political viewpoint. And that, I mean, we saw recently with um, the people who were connected to CrossFit turn out to be insane, like anti-vaxxers. And people are like, huh? Like the people who run CrossFit are insane and like libertarians and stuff. So we're going to see a lot more companies, I think, that have more particular character to the people who own them and run them and are much more, you know, like bold like this, whether for good or bad, we can't really say. 
than we did, I think, in the 20th century where people wanted to have more anonymous corporations like GM, you know, or something like that. So we're going to see more companies like Lush, I think, doing this sort of thing, hopefully. And the the thing Lush and everyone campaigning over this once is three things. They want, well, four things, actually. They want the investigation and inquiry to extend to Scotland. They want the cover names of the officers, the names of the groups they spied on, and the personal files of the victims. And the reason they're not getting it is something called the mosaic effect. That is a term the Metropolitan Police Service used in a report that was submitted to the inquiry panel assembled by Theresa May. And their argument is that absolute secrecy must be maintained around these units (laughs) and individual officers. Why? Because even comparatively small leakages of information can be pieced together like a mosaic to enable identification of the officers by those whom they targeted, but also by journalists and researchers. And the theory of the mosaic effect is that officers would run the risk of becoming targets for violence by those they spied and reported on. And also, and this is so rich, Hmm. that identifying the officers in question would be an unacceptable intrusion into the private and family lives of the officers. Laura, I am choking on irony right now. Uh, it's, I, mean, I would love to be the person. I would, love, I would love to meet the person who wrote that report just to get a little window into their sick, sick, sick old mind. What a sick pup. Jesus fucking Christ. That takes some gumption. To be like, no, we can't tell you who was spying on you. That would be like you're spying on us. That would be rude to their families. Don't you have any standards? Don't you have any class? (laughs) You would put innocent people people through this to further your political gains? I'm sorry. These men have been going out and fucking other women and making new families. We don't want to make their families feel bad. That's the last thing we want to do is make these families feel bad. You know, the families and the men that have been going out and having secret families. We, we would hate that. We would hate that. Jesus Christ. Well, it's an interesting thing because when we think about what the main issue is here, which is, again, consent. The, the U.S. is one of these countries where the police can say that someone under arrest consented to have sex with them. We obviously know that's ridiculous, but you can't consent to have sex with someone who's in prison, let's say. I would argue that if you are lying about your identity the person who is sleeping with you cannot consent to have sex with you because they don't know who the fuck you are. Yeah. Right. Does that seem so it is like being raped by the state over years. Oh yeah, definitely. And it, I don't know. It's, it's a, it is quite the goddamn scandal. I'll, we'll link to a bunch of articles about it. The guardian in the UK has covered this really well. Sometimes that happens. The Miami Herald, uh, if you look into their reporting on Jeffrey Epstein, woof, top notch. Like they yeah. won awards for that shit. And the Guardian should probably have won some awards for their reporting on this. So we will link to a whole bunch of Guardian articles and a whole bunch of other articles. And you can read more about it. And it's just such a widespread thing. Like there's like seven women that have come forward and that they know about that these relationships happened with. But we know there's 80 dead kids whose identities are out there, which means Mm -hmm. there were at least 80 of these motherfuckers doing this, and they probably just haven't been found out yet. Like, this is a huge scandal that the government is not going to just own up to. 
No, we'll never know the true state of it. And it's I obviously I feel a lot I feel a lot of empathy for the women involved, but even people if you're not directly fucking someone, I mean there is a sense if I was friends with a comedian for years and then I found out that they were a cop, that would fuck me up. I guarantee there are cops doing comedy in LA. Ugh. There's absolutely no way that's not happening. I mean, yeah, the 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 moral bar for comedy is, you know, you know, Nazis scoff at it. Um so then nothing would surprise me, but, you know, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, to, so to, to just know to be in this person's web of any kind is to be damaged by them. So there are so many victims that we can't even get into beyond the, beyond the obvious, which is that these women were basically raped and impregnated by the state. There's no reason for those kids to exist. Think about right. that. We made people for no reason. Yeah. They made people in the name of stamping out the animal liberation front. Like, my God. So I think that's our episode. Dating's tough, huh, you guys? <laughs> oh, dating. Yeah, that's, oh, dating that's while the main, liberal. That's the one we should call That's the main theme of this episode. Dating is rough. I know. This guy's got herpes. This guy's a cop. <laughs> I just want someone to go to this candlelight vigil with me. Jesus. <laughs> Uh, do we have anything to plug before we get out of here? No, no. Oh, yeah, if mean, you want to see something I worked on professionally, a show I worked on is on streaming. Can I put it about that? Yeah, why not? <laughs> I don't know. I worked Fuck. on a show called The Unexplained, hosted by William Shatner. You guys want to see some of my sick research work? It's funny footage. So, I don't know. Check out the show. It's not a bad. Not a bad show. It's not a bad show. <laughs> not a bad right. show. I wouldn't put it down by any means. <laughs> uh... You can follow this show on Twitter at Conspirapops. I'm not really on Twitter anymore, so don't follow me. Thank God. I mean, you can follow me and, like, up that follower count, but I just won't talk to you or interact with you or tweet anything uh, because Twitter's a fucking nightmare. But follow this show on Twitter at Conspirapops and uh, unpopsnetwork.supercast.tech or patreon.com slash unpops. You can go there and to either of those places and subscribe and get all sorts of bonus content from the network and from this show. Yeah. Yeah. Jerks. <laughs> Whoa. I'm also on cash app and Venmo at Laura dash Crawford dash two. You want to send me money or I can tell you how to buy mushrooms off the internet. And now we're getting investigated by <laughs> doctors. The hate this Laura. <laughs> um. uh, all right, let's get the fuck out of here. Laura, say goodbye. Bye. Bye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you.